Welcome, everybody. Thank you for listening to the brand new Winifred Adams Show on the C-Suite Network. You have previously found us at Making Life Brighter Radio on Voice America, and now I'd like to introduce you to the brand new show on C-Suite Network. It's such a pleasure to be here, and it's nice to be with you again today. We have return guest, Major General Paul Vallet, and I'd like to welcome him back into this conversation again. Thank you so much, sir, for being here with us today. Thank you, Winnie. Happy to be with you again. <laughs> it's nice to have you here. We had such a wonderful conversation about the Benghazi uh, situation in the theater, and that is not resting yet because there is more coming up about that. Let's get right into that just to tie it together, shall we? What is it that you see happening regarding the Benghazi situation right now, sir? Well, some of the items that uh, we had uh, investigated back with the Citizens Commission on Benghazi uh, in 2014, uh, the fact that uh, there were assets available, intelligence uh, we had uh, in order to launch the uh, rescue mission to save those four Americans. Now it's come to light uh, that, in fact, uh, the stand-down order did come from the Obama White House through Hillary Clinton at State Department, uh, really they, uh, challenging uh, what they what they had said, that there wasn't intelligence, we didn't have the assets to mount the rescue operation, when we, in fact, now, after the last year, have uh, identified and have talked to uh, many members of the armed forces who were on duty that day and that night during those 13 hours that testified that we did have assets. We had uh, airplanes spinning up. We had special forces, uh, special ops. Uh, we had ships, uh, a sea in the Mediterranean with the Marine forces on them. And so basically Hillary Clinton, Secretary Panetta, and General Dempsey lied when they testified in front of Congress. So that comes in light of the investigation that's going on now with the Attorney General as well. And so now uh, Tom Fenton is taking that up and it sounds to me like we're going to be seeing that played out over the summer. Is that correct? I would think so, and I would hope so. Yeah, absolutely. We have to hold those senior uh, members of the government at that time, uh, including Obama and Hillary Clinton, negligence of duty and not protecting and not even mounting a rescue operation to save Americans abroad or wherever they may be. And we've always said in the armed forces, in the army, never let a man behind. Basically, don't let an American person behind. That's what we mean by that. And we did. We left Florida. Yes, and that's that's a sad thing. And I know that I will be uh, reaching out to Ty Wood's father and have him give closure on his portion of this as well. And so we'll have an ongoing dialogue if you're willing to come back and talk about that, sir. Yes, we're going to re we're going to revisit uh, the Benghazi uh, betrayal, as we call it, uh, again, and it's not going to go away uh, because we really want to hold accountable those senior members of government that let those four Americans die without even attempting a rescue operation, and that's dereliction of duty. And by the way, lying in front of Congress at the Trey Gowdy hearing, so we have all of that down. Tom Fitton has it at Judicial Watch, so uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Very good. We'll continue that conversation, and we'll let everyone know when we'll do just that. In the meantime, there's more on your plate. You've been very busy, and you've just uh, 
created an incredible press release on a new operation that you're joining forces with Steve Bannon on, and it's called Operation Nemesis. What is this, sir? Well, what it is, uh, basically, it's uh, two parts, but may, it's uh, primarily uh, retribution to the Chinese Communist Party uh, for spreading this disease and, in fact, covering it up for several weeks. We can go into a timeline, but we're holding the Chinese Communist Party responsible for the for the spread of this throughout the world. Now, whether it was accidentally released people at the laboratory in Wuhan, or was it uh, made into a bio-weapon bio by the Chinese, the Chinese uh, Communist Party, CCP, uh, to be specific. And we know that the cover-up uh, lasted about two to three weeks as thousands and thousands of Chinese migrated across the globe uh, during that time, especially the Chinese uh, Lunar Festival from January the 10th till uh, February the 28th, where we had 40,000 Chinese traveling at that time. So uh, we have a lot of facts now that we're gathering, but Operation Nemesis really is what we call a retaliation against the Chinese Communist Party for what they've inflicted on the world. And 50,000 now deaths in the United States from COVID-19. And how do you plan to execute that? What does that entail? Well, there's a number of things I would be happy. I'm not sure you have the plan in front of you, but if you don't mind, I can go over uh, a number of things uh, on that uh, particular. Well, you were talking about identifying agents, correct? What are the agents? Who are the agents that you're identifying? Well, these would be intentional uh, agents of the Chinese Communist Party uh, who would be placed in various areas to uh, not only cover up uh, uh, the actions of, of the Chinese Communist Party, but also further, uh, uh, I guess, uh, continuous spy operations within the United States. Agents uh, not only are at the universities, by the way, but they're also in the high-tech industry. Uh, they're also, uh, we know, at the World Health Organization at the United Nations. So. Uh, the, the Chinese are very smart when it comes to infiltrating the United States with people on the ground, as they've done in Europe, as done in the Middle East. And, and you know, I was trying to find that file for you, if, if you don't have it. Well, the, uh, the people that you're actually discussing, you have proof that these, these people are all over now. You have the intel that you're trying to locate these folks here within the United States and around the world. And that's, that's in operation already? Well, no, exactly. And it has been for a decade, by the way. Uh, you see one of the uh, uh, individuals at Harvard, a professor who's just been indicted. Uh, yeah, but we've arrested many Chinese uh, over just the last five years that have been spying in the United States from the embassy in Washington, D.C., and spies uh, in Silicon Valley, uh, for example, in the high-tech industries there. And they've got them in on these HNI, uh, H, what do they call it, the HNI? Uh, mm -hmm. Now you exact terminology, the, the visas. Sir, you are looking in your campaign to educate the American public? And, and actually label product coming from China. Time. I think uh, when we're better off just dealing with the facts that we know, 
uh, and then taking steps uh, to ensure that the United States uh, is always prepared for any kind of a bio attack, whether it's biochemical or uh, uh, something with uh, a virus uh, in it. Uh, we're, as I said, we're looking now at the recent Iranian uh, launch of a satellite uh, that has placed that orbit over the United States. And that just occurred a few days ago. Now, they, we know the Chinese are working very carefully with Iran in the nuclear development programs. And what they tend to uh, focus on right now is what we call the electronic magnetic pulse technology. Uh, and uh, we know they're, they're testing or at least looking to test uh, a, a low-yield nuclear weapon, which could be launched from a satellite uh, that basically uh, would be electro electric electromagnetic pulse technology. And basically what that does, it doesn't kill people, but a low yield nuclear attack uh, deadens anything that has uh, uh, a computer, any kind of a system. For example, our electrical grid system is run by computers. Correct, So yes. if you had a low level uh, EMP attack, it would basically knock out the computers and any kind of, a, of uh, airplanes or vehicles. And this is all written up uh, your listeners can refer to Dr. Peter Pry. Uh, they can Google him. He's uh, our resident expert on that. Uh, and he's written extensively about it. But that's a threat out there that exists right now. The cartels are a threat taking advantage now of our vulnerabilities with a massive uh, infusion of drugs into the United States again, along with sex trafficking. Uh, so that's the threat that's out there that we're looking at. But we're primarily concerned maybe about a cyber attack versus an EMP attack, which would uh, basically uh, uh, attack our computers again. And we've seen uh, instances uh, where we have had the electrical grid system go down. For example, I think it was a, <clears throat> a year or two went down in southwest United States and northern Mexico. So we're watching that very carefully. Our military is on alert. We have our uh, fleets out. Uh, we have uh, a different command and control headquarters. We have NORAD uh, in Colorado Springs that's watching everything very carefully. So we're on alert because why we're vulnerable right now. Mm -hmm. And our enemies or adversaries know that we're vulnerable, trying to recover, uh, trying to recover our economy. Uh, so uh, they put into a force two to a degree the continuation of government, the COG program, continuity of government. And uh, they have bunkers uh, located, for example, uh, one in Pennsylvania, where our political leaders would go from Washington, D.C., go there. <clears throat> our military leaders would go out to a NORAD headquarters in Colorado Springs, for example, in the mountain, as they call it out there. So we're prepared, but we've got to put America back to work. Uh, we've got to yeah. build our strength up again and ensure that nothing like this happens again uh, to the United States and catch us and make us very vulnerable to our adversaries. Well, we certainly seem vulnerable at the moment, although I trust in the American spirit, sir. I trust yes, in absolutely. Our, our faith. And I, I know from your position anyway, and seeing everything that I see and follow on social media, you certainly have quite a bit of support out there uh, to the cause, as does the president. And uh, let's talk for a minute about this QAnon movement. Who are these Q people? 
<laughs> well, I, I'm, I just get reports from them, as you probably do too, as you see things that uh, are publicized. But as best we know, uh, it's a, uh, a group of uh, military intelligence uh, people who retire in some active duty um, located outside of Washington, D.C. Uh, because what's happened, the president doesn't really have a lot of confidence or trust in this CIA. And uh, we have seen why, because they've been so politically corrupted. Uh, and they don't possess great human intelligence capability anymore. That's been degraded for several decades now, where we've gone to more technical analysis, uh, for example, cyber analysis. But you need people on the ground in Istanbul, uh, in Beijing, uh, in Seoul, and uh, different places around the world to feed us information. Now, we have military attaches, as you know, uh, at all of our embassies uh, throughout the world. And they're responsible for monitoring uh, any uh, development which would be adversarial in terms of arms or military threats against the United States. So uh, that uh, that's shared by these military intelligence people. And the point is the president uh, trusts our military intelligence more than he does the CIA because of the uh, accuracy that's being fed in from around the world into our military intelligence uh, organizations. Now I'm gonna ask you kind of a personal question. I happen to have an affinity to that word accuracy, and I've been speaking about that for quite some time. What do you feel about the definition of accuracy from your point of view and what you've done? How valuable is that? Well, accuracy in, in, the, in, in the intelligence business, which I've been in for a number of years, is basically uh, trusting a source of information that may come from anywhere in the world, any city, Cairo, Istanbul, Paris, London. And so that's what human intelligence does out there. It validates uh, these agents uh, that are there uh, cooperating with the United States, for example. And so uh, we have a way to measure that trust or accuracy factor. And that's based on what they feed us, uh, based on what comes true, what's validated. So it's a whole process the intelligence uh, organizations use uh, to validate or ensure accuracy of the information they're getting. And it's done in a very methodical way. Well, sir, accuracy is going to be necessary upcoming to put this economy back together. and. Do you see that coming soon? Do you see that rolling out quickly? Well, it's rolling out now. Um, for example, in Montana, we're opening everything up uh, basically that we can in low risk, no uh, risk situations uh, as far as the virus is concerned. The governors now are rolling out except the idiot up in Michigan. Uh, she's in another world. But we got to be realistic of this. We cannot destroy America and our economy because of a virus. We could, we didn't do it with the flu, for example, that killed uh, 80,000 people, I think, last year. And, of course, we're at the 50,000-person uh, death toll um, from the COVID-19, as far as we know. But we also understand from reports that all those 50,000 didn't necessarily die because of COVID-19. They died of some other respiratory or pneumonia or something else that we're finding out. Very vulnerable and a lot of people that smoked 
uh, or had a lung condition, for example. So we're going to find out a lot of those 50,000 really didn't die just because of COVID-19. And yes. so as we develop, uh, you know, vaccines, uh, even using hydrochloroquine uh, to a great uh, advantage. Uh, but we also know, here's the other thing, at the Wuhan laboratory, the Chinese were developing simultaneously a vaccine to counter the COVID-19. But they would not share that with anybody. We've asked some of our medical experts, we requested they go into China to Wuhan and work with the Chinese. Guess what happened? Chinese said, no deal. You're not coming in here. And um, Can you so, demand that now that it's a worldwide? Well, you can, you, you can demand it, but the Chinese, they got to let you into the country to do it. They're not oh, going to yeah. do it. Well, how, how much do you trust the vaccines that are being developed here? Well, I, I just, I look at the good positive reports from hydrochloroquine. Uh, of course, uh, the, the medical profession, uh, the testing, and uh, that's going to uh, be very important as they develop uh, vaccines against this virus and perhaps some others. But of course, the, uh, the people that are doing the testing and uh, doing the research, they say, well, it'll be eight months, it'll be a year. Uh, you know, there's a lot of risk adverse people that don't want to take a risk and say, hey, go back to work. Let's uh, let's open up uh, uh, the stores again and let's open up uh, parks and swimming and boating and <clears throat> everything else. So uh, President Trump has got a big challenge because he's got to decipher all of that. He's got to analyze it. And then he's got to say, this is our plan. And of course, he put out his three phase plan uh, earlier this week. So we're, right. we're unleashing now. We're, we're putting Americans back to work as soon as possible, but it's going to take a while to recover, no doubt about that. Well, to your point, sir, I had a conversation with William Cotell, and he was speaking about those counted numbers that now is certainly a, a fresh dialogue. It's a fresh narrative with everyone about that you could get in a car accident today and you're counted as a COVID patient tomorrow. And so it's, as he called it, death for dollars. And in this case also, he was saying that the hydroxychloroquine has been proven. Why they are now coming out and disparaging that is curious. But if it's proven right. and there's minor side effects, why not? Well, they've proven it's like any kind of medicine, there's side effects. Uh, you can take uh, Pepto-Bismol, you can take aspirin, yeah. <laughs> you can take a number of things going to have some side effects. It's how much risk you're going to assume to uh, to heal yourself. Uh, uh, so the from light. that standpoint, uh, you know, we, we've got we've to assume a little risk here as well. You know, we don't live in a perfect world. Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with that point. You know, it's it's worth the risk if you're going to die. And if you can't breathe and that helps, why not? But in the yeah. meantime, we wait for a vaccine. Now, what do you think about this vaccine with the potential of, uh, you know, nanotechnology in it? Well, I don't know that much about that. I, I do know that ultraviolet uh, getting out in the sunlight uh, will cure people. Uh, and uh, that's very important when we open up the restaurants. Uh, they're advising now that ultraviolet light be put in that restaurant spaced uh, on the ceiling uh, with fans in it that spread spread the air uh, around and that dissipates uh, the virus. So uh, 
they're working on that kind of a thing right now that uh, we can have better ventilation and that we can in fact uh, stave off. I mean, you can go anywhere. I mean, I've gone on two cruises the last two years and I've got sick on both cruises. I had sepsis on the first cruise. Oh, no. I carried it for 12 days. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, uh, last year on a Mediterranean cruise out of Spain, uh, both my wife and I got sick from somebody that was carrying some kind of a, a colder virus or whatever on the bus we were on. And uh, so two days later, I came down with it. My wife came down with it four days later. And so that's the end of cruises for me. But uh, we've taken a lot in our life. But uh, things happen, you know, we, we just don't know. Life on Earth is a risk, but yeah. you've dealt with big risk in your lifetime, in your career. You've seen just about everything. Now, as you look at this particular theater, what is it that you see is the greatest threat to us right now? The greatest threat in America is the socialism, the left wing, the Democrats in our system. A, a dysfunctional Congress is the biggest internal threat that we have right now. That's why this election this year is so critical um, for all of us, whether it's, it's at the national level or state level or local government. We've got to ensure we could, could put good people in that have common sense and are playing the game of partisan politics once they get into office. And... Uh, to me, uh, that's our biggest vulnerability right now. And then, of course, south of the border, uh, I talked about the five or six cartels working out of Sinaloa, the Golden Triangle down there, uh, the external threats of Iran, external threats uh, still of radical Islam in certain parts of, of the world. And so um, it takes a watchful eye uh, to identify those threats and then come up with some way to terminate or neutralize them. That is a major challenge. And we're very good at that. You know, once we lock on to something, we're very good at analyzing it and taking the appropriate action, especially our military. Well, what do you feel about this upcoming uh, space program, too? Well, a lot of technology uh, in outer space right now. I just mentioned uh, the Iran launch this week of a satellite uh, that's orbiting across our country. Uh, certainly uh, weaponizing satellites. We have to watch for that. And that's the reason that the president uh, stood up the, uh, the Space Command, because we've got to have people that understand what space is all about. Uh, and that's as far as the settlements on the moon and uh, maybe some other planets out there. That's all in the, uh, the workings. Uh, but it's very important because outer space right now is a major threat to us. Why is outer space a threat to us? Because of the satellites they can launch. Okay. And what they can launch now from satellites, so you put the satellite up so it's orbiting, and then you can give a command uh, to yeah. that satellite uh, to launch a missile from it. A lot of people probably don't understand or know that, but uh, that's weaponizing satellites, you see, rather than just orbiting around the world and testing a lot of things. Now it's the weaponizing of the satellites. Do we agree to that as well as a nation or should there be somewhere along the way that everyone agrees that that's just not how we conduct ourselves? Well, uh, you'll never get uh, the Chinese to agree to it. You'll never get the Russians to agree to it. Uh, they'll continue to launch and develop their programs and foster uh, countries like uh, Iran, for example. 
now. We, They're all waiting for uh, Iran already has a nuclear, cap nuclear capability. We know that. It's a matter what they do with it. Then we'd better be on top of our game on on planet and off planet. Sir, do That's you? That's right. It's a good way to put it. <laughs> do you? Do you have? information that's crossed your desk over time about uh, other races, aliens, and things like that? No, I don't know any more about that than you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, if we, maybe we need some friendly ones out there. But Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Hopefully they're all friendly aliens, because we have some un unfriendly ones on, on planet Earth, I'll tell you that. We've got enough to deal with on this planet. It seems that we do, and I... I like to think of uh, a sweeter world, and I know that you've had a career in a world that does not deal with that necessarily, but your conviction to your profession has been by oath, but also a passion. So what is the underlying passion that's driven you over time to do what you do? Well, I think that all uh, was generated uh, and built uh, during my four years at West Point, uh, which our motto, motto was uh, duty, honor, country. And so that's always been something I've uh, abided by for my entire career. And, uh, you know, we had family onto that. And so uh, duty, honor, country to our country, but also to our family and our fellow uh, Americans and fellow uh, people on this earth. So it, it takes a good positive attitude, but uh, you have to be on the leading edge of things now, technology wise and so on. And uh, I received an engineering degree uh, at West Point. Of course, that helps me think a lot along engineering terms sometime. And I took the first space program at West Point uh, in yeah. 1961 when, when I was a senior. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and it was rather interesting because I taught us about orbits and all that stuff. And, uh, in fact, my instructor, uh, for a lot of that was a former astronaut, uh, Colonel Frank Borman was money at one of my instructors. So, uh, oh. I've always liked that. Uh, I've always liked that particular discipline. Yeah. We, we have, so. we have a great, America. And uh, I think that we have a heart and soul to rebuild. So what do you think is the number one way for us to rebuild? Number one, we've got to uh, make sure that we start educating our students properly. They're being indoctrinated on these universities with left-wing socialist ideas. And as Charlie Kirk from Turning Point says, you know, as soon as you send your uh, your kids off to college, within about 90 days to six months, they're indoctrinated, and basically uh, by all these left-wing professors on these universities, where they're there to learn a skill to get a, and to be able to get a job, and we've got to make sure that we have more people, uh, more students uh, in the engineering area, less in the social areas where they can't get a job. We need skill-trained people. That's, to me, one of the major challenges in our country right now. Skill-trained people at the top yeah, of their our game. Students, yep, absolutely. Bring them out, get a job, and uh, not just uh, four years and you can't get a job. And spending hundreds of thousands of dollars now at these universities. Perhaps so we need more, change. more programs that might actually place people 
and the universities working with, with companies and corporations to place those people and, and ease them into some kind of career. Into a career, that's exactly. And you don't need a four-year edu- education anymore. Uh, no. We have a community college here in Montana, and the skill level training they have there is just phenomenal from manufacturing to tool making to running restaurants uh, to chefs, uh, uh, all sorts of things in, uh, in the farming area. So uh, universities and schools need to be teaching our students the future skills that you're going to need to uh, be successful. That's very important. Well, sir, I feel that uh, we've covered a lot of ground here, but let's go back to your Operation Nemesis before we close. Sure. Uh, what is it that you'd like people to know about that and act upon? Well, they can read it on our website, standupamericaus.org. Operation Nemesis is on there, and they can see uh, all of our recommendations to the president uh, in banking, in finance, Wall Street investments by the Chinese. Uh, and uh, there's a number of, uh, of actions that we've recommended to President Trump to take in uh, retribution to the Chinese uh, Communist Party. And, uh, you know, they come in, they trade on our exchanges. We don't do a complete audit on the companies as we do our own companies. Uh, so they've been able to come in, steal a lot of our technology, take it back. Um, so Operation Nemesis is a, a really a way to uh, make sure that the Chinese pay for what they've done, but also uh, to ensure that uh, they don't uh, infiltrate America and try to ever degrade us again in any form or matter. And so you feel this was definitely intentional? Yes. The cover-up was. The spread was. But we don't know from the Wuhan whether some people got out and they mixed with the other people in Wuhan, and then it spread with all these movements out of Wuhan. Wuhan's 10 to 11 million people, and they had flights in and out, some 40,000 during the January, February timeframe, flying all over the place for this lunar festival back and forth and and so on. And the Communist Party then, in my opinion, used it as a bioweapon to attack America and to bring us to our knees. Sir, do you know anything about how the 5G plays into this? Huawei, uh, uh, we're recommending to stay away from it right now, especially if it's tied to Huawei, uh, the 5G. And Huawei's big time into England and other European countries right now. Uh, but we're looking at that from a national standpoint and ensuring that uh, uh, we do not uh, become vulnerable, again, with our computer and computer technology uh, and in the 5G area. So we're aware of it. Thank you so much, sir. This is, this is good closure yet again, and I look forward to speaking with you for further closure as we go forward and perhaps again with Ty Wood's father. Um, thank you for being here, and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening and for finding us here on the C-Suite Network, and you're listening to The Winifred Adams Show with a finger on the pulse, and we have Major General Paul Vallelay as our guest today. Thank you, sir. Thank you for coming. We look forward to having you again. Okay. Thank you, Wayne. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.